The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 252, presented by Rageworks, for Wednesday, November 5th, 2014. I'm your host, Rich, and our caller number is 347-324-3541. Again, that caller number, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning in, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. Uh, MMA and wrestling debut on Wednesday nights and entertainment and gaming debut on Thursday. So it's been uh, about a week or so since our uh, about a week and a half. It feels like since our last show. So got to get back in the swing of things, so to speak. I always feel a little rusty coming back on air, but uh, glad to be back. Uh, We got a full slate of MMA and wrestling goodness for you guys this week. Uh, Before we get into it, though, just got to get a couple of news items out of the way that I got to discuss for the week. Um, of course, like I said, it is a full show this week, Wednesday and Thursday nights, both live broadcasts. There will be shows uh, next week as well and the week after that. Uh, the week of Thanksgiving, there will be a show on Wednesday, uh, probably something a little shorter. And of course, Thursday is Thanksgiving. There will be no show that week. Um, my friends at, at, the, at the Buried News Network are getting their brand new season premiere of Buried together. Uh, they've been experiencing some issues, but rest assured, Quark and Blade are working on the brand new season of Buried, and it will be here before you know it. Uh, basically, uh, a lot of uh, little audio issues that they've experienced on their end, but I know they're working through it, and the stuff that they got on deck for you guys even even now is pretty badass, so we'll definitely find a way to get that stuff out to you. But be on the lookout for the brand new season premiere of Buried sooner rather than later. Also, um, our very own Jay Santi uh, got to check out the House of Glory wrestling event. Uh, we're probably going to have him call in and share his thoughts on it uh, because he had a really, really good time at the event. It was a change of venue, definitely a big fight atmosphere uh, for from the House of Glory crew and... Um, Jay definitely had a blast based on all the pictures and social media updates that we've seen with regards to that. But um, besides that stuff, got to get into a couple of other things. Both MyTakeRadio.com and RageWorks.net have changed web hosts. One of the reasons was uh, one of the reasons why we did that was because we were experiencing 
um, issues with regards to the pages loading, articles were being slow to up, upload, etc. Just a, a slew of problems. And as much as we enjoyed working with HostGator, we had to bid them farewell and moved our both sites over to a brand new web host. If you've been on RageWorks.net recently, you probably noticed that it has a very, very fast load time. Same thing with MyTakeRadio.com, which is um, now that we've moved over, going to get the full redesign in the coming weeks and we can actually pull the trigger on that with minimal issue. Um, I want to congratulate my friend, my good friend, Mike Kingston from Headlocked. Got to represent those guys for having their second Kickstarter campaign fully funded. For those of you that know about Headlocked and are supporters much like us, definitely I'm sure Mike appreciates your support. But for those of you that don't know, Headlocked is a comic focusing on the wrestling industry with a great crew of of, of talent behind it. Uh, Mike Kingston, Mike Moldapola, um, Jerry the King Lawler, and a slew of other wrestlers have been involved in this project, uh, bringing some awesome kick-ass wrestling to the pages of, of the independent comic industry. So do yourselves a favor, check it out. Look for Headlocked on Facebook, Twitter, and of course, look for our interviews with Mike Kingston on My Take Radio as well as on Rageworks. So congrats to Mike and the crew at Headlocked for getting fully funded. I look forward to getting my brand new Headlock t-shirt to wear on air for you guys to check out. As always, definitely, if you're interested in supporting the project, uh, go to the links in the show notes, which we will include for you guys to check out. Um, Slick has some brand new stuff coming up probably within the next hour or so with regards to the brand new GTA 5 that we'll be releasing, obviously, on next-gen consoles in the coming weeks. And um, as a matter of fact, uh, communicate from Slick. It is actually up right now, so uh, definitely check that out either during the show or after the show if you want to know what's going on with GTA 5. Um, of course, tomorrow during our gaming and entertainment segment, we got a couple of things we want to discuss, in, uh, including um, something that was very interesting, and I kind of, in in the midst of all the craziness that's been going on off-air, didn't share it with you guys regarding... Um, the Gamergate conversation that we had and some YouTube feedback that I got about that, which I want to share with you guys. I'm going to just save that for tomorrow's broadcast, but I figured you guys would appreciate that. It's going to be uh, an interesting story. I know some people that listen to the show on a consistent basis are probably going to be slightly annoyed, but I actually appreciated the feedback and it created some good dialogue. Uh, YouTube comments are always interesting for those of you that are longtime YouTube users you guys will understand that. Um, but other than that, everything else is on all cylinders. We will be at the Engadget Expand event this Friday. We will also be covering the CES event next Tuesday. And we will be at Tech 808 on November 21st. As always, follow us on social media at MyTakeRadio, at Rage underscore Works on Twitter. Or, of course, look for us on Facebook or Google Plus or Pinterest so you can check out updates from those events. All right, so what's on tap for this week? We're going to talk about all the latest MMA news. We got a, a UFC doubleheader this week with uh, MMA card with a UFC card Friday and Saturday. Plus, next week we got the big Bellator card with Tito Ortiz and Stefan Bonner, which I'm actually looking forward to seeing because I know it's just going to be a, a disaster of epic proportions. Um, on the wrestling side of things, of course, we're going to talk about Raw, the build up for Survivor Series, and the week's wrestling news. 
And like I said, I'm sure Jay will join us at some point to discuss the House of Glory show and, of course, be on the lookout for his report as well. Well, let's get the ball rolling. Let's jump into the MMA news of the week, shall we? My Take Radio's MMA segment is brought to you by MMAWarehouse.com. Get all your favorite fighter gear and training gear at MMAWarehouse.com. Look for their banners with promo codes on MyTakeRadio.com or RageWorks.net. All right, so let's open up with a very interesting news story that came out. Um, Of course, we all know that when Chael is in the news, it's always going to be something that is going to be worth discussing. And... um. Chael actually has a podcast on Podcast One, which I was not aware of. And um, very interesting bit of news that he put out there. He said he received, get this, a $5 million offer from Vince McMahon while he was under contract with the UFC. He said, um, you know, that he was loyal to the promotion, and that was why he did not take the $5 million offer. And here's pretty much verbatim what Chael said about it. He said, I was offered $5 million by Vince McMahon. Now, I was still under contract with the UFC, and I never took this to Dana. I handled it on my own. I told WWE no, and that was the end of that. I never told Dana White the story, but here's why I didn't tell him. I knew if I called Dana and said, I've got a $5 million offer from Vince McMahon, Dana would have matched it. Dana would have come close, and now all of a sudden, I'm not a loyal employee. I'm not loyal to the UFC. I'm shopping them around, and I'm being loyal to myself. That's business. That's how it works. And I don't think anyone would have had hard feelings, but I didn't see myself that way. Now, I find this very interesting for a couple of reasons. Obviously, Chael is always going to be in it for Chael. As much as he was and is a UFC guy, given how he was, he unceremoniously left the sport due to the entire drug testing fiasco with Vanderlei Silva, you know, you're always going to look at news items like that with um, an air of caution, maybe maybe some disbelief, just because Chael, Chael is all about bluster and showmanship. And to say that WWE offered him $5 million, you know, that's 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 some pretty big balls to, you know, it's got, it's a ballsy move to say no to that, if, if, if at all true. But I wanted to dig a little deeper into it for a couple of reasons. Obviously, Chael is a huge personality, incredibly, uh, incredibly polarizing, gets a reaction wherever he goes good, bad, or otherwise. He is a, a, a consummate professional and a showman. And the reason I say that is because, of course, a lot of people are going to jump in right away and they're going to be like, ah, how are you going to say this guy's a professional if, you know, the drug testing, this, that, and the third. The reason I say Chael is a professional is because whenever a fighter was injured and a slot was open for someone to fight, Chael was the first one on that phone ready to take a fight. That's, you know, that's him being... A consummate professional, that's him being a company guy and willing to step up for the sport. You may not be a fan of what he does. You may not be a fan of how he conducts himself. Hell, you may not even like him as a person, but you can't, you can't, you know, sweep under the rug the fact that he was a guy that was ready to step in and fight at a moment's notice. This, these are the facts. I mean, when, when, if it was a weight class that he was comfortable in, he was ready to take a fight. And yeah, he talked himself into some title fights, sure. But at the end of the day, 
those fights, those opportunities, whether you love the guy or you hate the guy, you had to tune in. The same thing is going on with a guy like Conor McGregor. You look at Conor McGregor and you see a guy that's that's bluster, that's that's fire, that's brimstone. You know, he's a guy that talks a lot of shit, gets a lot of people buzzing, gets a lot of uh, gets under people's skin. But again, mixed martial arts. For as much as people don't like to compare it to professional wrestling, I hate to tell you, it, it's 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 pretty close in a lot of aspects. But the other thing about it that that is is crucial is that in a sport of one, you have to make yourself you know, memorable. You have to make yourself a guy that people, as soon as you say, you know, Chael Sonnen, you go, oh man, that fucking guy's a psycho. You know, he talked all that shit to Anderson Silva, blah, 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 blah. You you know, you mentioned buzzwords. Like if you walk, here's a good example. You walk into a bar, you walk into a, into a crowded place and you ask people, how many of you are MMA fans? You're going to get some people that, um, are going to raise their hands obviously and acknowledge that but if you say if i tell you if i say the name of a fighter will you know who it is i guarantee you people that don't follow the sport will know who john jones is will know who ronda rousey is tito ortiz ken shamrock you know you go down the list of memorable individuals anderson silva george st pierre etc etc and when you do things like that you realize that the guys that people recognize are the guys with the memorable personalities. Everybody's going to remember a Chuck Liddell, a Randy Couture. Everybody's going to remember a Tito Ortiz or a Ken Shamrock. But I hate to say it, nobody's going to remember Tim Sylvia. As in, you know, no disrespect to Tim Sylvia, but who's going to remember him? You know, it's a, it's as simple as that. Who's going to remember, um, you know, uh, Heath Herring? Who's going to remember that guy? Other than the people that followed Brock Lesnar's career that know that he bludgeoned Heath Herring half to death. It's it's a terrible thing to say, but the guys that people remember are the guys that are out there promoting themselves, selling themselves. So for Chael to get an offer of $5 million from the WWE, maybe it's true, maybe it's not. But let's be realistic. Vince McMahon saw dollar signs in a guy like Chael because he knows this is a guy that comes from an amateur wrestling background. This is a guy that's incredibly athletic. This is a guy that respects the business. This is a guy who, above all else, requires minimal training. Like, all Chael needs to do is learn how to wrestle theatrically. In terms of wrestling and showmanship and cutting a promo, I think Chael is a natural for that. If you're going to bring him on as a color commentator, same thing. The guy knows the business, is a fan of the product, is friends with certain people. He knows how to conduct himself. Say say he got 2 million, 3 million. Maybe he embellished a little bit. Maybe maybe he got the offer and it was less money. Who knows? But at the end of the day, he was on WWE's radar. And the funny thing was that when this story came out, you know, you read a lot of stuff on social media and a bunch of different outlets, and the first thing is, oh, you know, what's WWE going to do with a guy like Chael, or, oh, what's WWE going to do with these MMA guys that they bring in that are all beat up and battered, and I and again, I point to guys like Dan Severn, Steve Blackman, Ken Shamrock, let's, let's talk about your, your heroes, your, your Daniel Bryans, your CM Punk, you know, you talk about all those guys that you're a fan of, those guys are either 
active practitioners or or well-versed in some aspect of mixed martial arts. You think CM Punk walked out there with a Caesar Gracie jiu-jitsu hoodie because he wanted to be fucking cool? No. Same thing with Batista and so many others. It's it's like anything else. The parallels between both sports are are there, but there's also a lot of similarities. So a guy like Chael, if he would have made the jump to WWE, he probably would have made a killing. And hell, he could still make a jump. He could make a jump a year from now. The only reason that Chael Sonnen is not in the WWE right now is because the the backlash over the drug testing issues is still kind of fresh. And because of WWE's wellness policy, people are going to say, well, if this guy pissed hot in the UFC, why wouldn't he piss hot in the WWE, which is notorious for drug use? That's all I'm saying. So I want to just acknowledge some of the people in the chat. I see Mortis is in there. Um... Mortis writes, I thought the WWE said they didn't offer Chael the money. And uh, Slick adds, of course they would say that if you turn someone, if you turn someone, John Cena's paycheck and they turn you down, would you admit it? True. Then Mortis asks, why would they offer $5 million, who has never been in pro wrestling during a time where they're trying to save the WWE network and cut costs? You, you know, Mortis brings up valid points, but I, I'll, be, I'll be honest. Uh, and, and I kind of, I can, I can jump into this a bit deeper on the wrestling side of things, but I'm going to answer Mortis's question about trying to save the WWE network and cut costs. A guy like Chael is an investment that you make for the long term. Now, again, that $5 million may have been an, you know, embellishment or it may have been legit, but let's be, let's be realistic. You uh, slick, slick actually summed it up very well. Slick just put in the chat room. You got to spend money to make money. And that's exactly it. You know, you you take a guy like Chael. This guy is well-recognized everywhere he goes, knows how to talk the talk, knows how to sell the product, knows how to sell fights. You take a guy like Chael, you sign him, you send him to NXT. Maybe you make a superstar out of him, maybe you don't. But guess what? The casual MMA fan that knows Chael and watches wrestling is going to be curious to see how he does. Simple as that. And besides... Even if you even if you don't look at his mixed martial arts pedigree, you have to respect the fact that he has a tremendous wrestling background. And the reason I say this is think about every guy that came in with collegiate or higher wrestling pedigree and how well they've performed in the WWE. Here's a couple of names. Kurt Angle, Brock Lesnar. As much as you love love or hate him, you got to talk about guys like Shelton Benjamin. You got to talk about guys like Charlie Haas, you know, guys with real wrestling pedigree. Those guys, they come in, they're, they're, they're tremendous, they're tremendous individuals and they've adapted well to the sport of pro wrestling. You know, you don't have to be a, a bodybuilder or a football player. You just have to be a good athlete and a showman and you'll get noticed. Simple as that. Mortis says, I'd believe, I'd, I'd, I'd believe 500,000 or even a million. You know what? Mortis, you, you never know. It might have been a million, but think about it. You're not, you're not paid by the UFC. You're not working for the UFC anymore, and you may or may not be on WWE's radar, so why not have a little fun with it? Why not get your name out there? It, anybody, anybody will talk about, oh, Chael got offered 500,000. 
or Chael got offered a million. Anybody will talk about that. But when you say somebody offered me $5 million, that's a headline. That's every wrestling website. That's every social media outlet. That's every blog, MMA and wrestling, acknowledging this news story. So again, you know, again, it's the showmanship. It's the theatricality. It's Chael gaming the public as usual. Maybe he got the five mil. Maybe he didn't. Hell, maybe WWE said, hey, we're going to wait another year and we'll wait for people to forget about this situation you had and we'll bring you in. You know? Mortis adds, yeah, if you're going to lie, might as well lie big, I suppose. That's why he would make a good politician. That's exactly it. Think about it. If I said to you, hey, Mortis, how much are you paid at your brand new job? You can say, hey, I make 30 grand a year, 40 grand a year, but you might have a little fun and say, yo, I make 50, 60 or 70 just because it makes you feel good. Yeah, sure, you're lying, but who's going to go and investigate? Who's going to go and look? Think about it. Chael said, yo, I got offered five mil. Who's going to who's going to question that? Sure, you could ask the WWE and they may say we can neither confirm nor deny that we made an offer to Chael or they may say no just because they don't want to they don't want to feed the beast. Who knows? But it was a crazy news story and it really got my it really got me buzzed because a lot of people were just so they really just didn't understand the way this business works. Like the MMA purists are like, you see all these fucking guys jump into the fake shit. That's what they do. They get all popular here and then they jump to the fake shit. And then when when the fake shit doesn't work out, this was this was one comment. When the fake shit doesn't work out, they want to come back to the UFC and recapture their glory. And sure, you could say that, but the same thing could be said for for a guy like Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar made his money in the UFC, then he left, then he came back to WWE, and he's working the limited schedule that he's working. And there's rumors that he may go back to the UFC or he may use the UFC as a bargaining chip. Who who the fuck knows at this point? But to automatically assume that it's bad for either business for 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 there to be some 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 crossover is is stupid. I'm sorry to say anybody that thinks that mixed martial art is coming to professional wrestling or professional wrestlers trying their hands at mixed martial arts is stupid doesn't understand the market marketability and big business. I'm sorry. Do you think that Dana White would say no if Brock Lesnar said, yo, I want to come back? Absolutely not. Dana White would jump at the chance to get Brock Lesnar back in there because he knows that Brock Lesnar means big bucks, period. You think a guy like, like Vince McMahon is going gonna, is gonna to bat an eyelash if a guy like Rampage or a guy like, like Chael says, yo, I want to go through NXT, I want to go through the process, and I want to become a WWE superstar? Absolutely not, because Vince McMahon is all about making money. Why do you think guys like Hogan come back? You know, guys like Paul Heyman, Eric Bischoff, you name it, a who's who of people that you never thought you'd see in the WWE have been in the WWE. Because Vince McMahon, he's willing to put shit aside to make money. Everybody's acknowledged that. Paul Heyman has said it. Brock Lesnar has said it. Kurt Angle has said it. Shawn Michaels, Triple H, a laundry list of guys have said, Vince is always about the business. Period. Simple as that. But, again, it was a great opener. It it ties into the wrestling for this week, so I figured I'd share it with you guys. So, let me move along, because there's a couple of other news items I want to discuss. 
UFC 184 has been final has been fine not finalized but has been pretty much a very very discussed event because there's been a little bit of shuffling going on. Um, Chris Weidman and Vitor Belfort is your main event for that card. Your co-main is Ronda Rousey and Kat Zingano. That pay-per-view will be taking place February 28th in Los Angeles. Now, Ronda and Kat Zingano were scheduled to square off on January 2nd at UFC 182, but some things went on that obviously require the card to be moved. Now, I'm hearing that one of them was injured. I actually read a blip right before we went on air, so I want to make sure I find out which one was injured first so I can um, discuss it a little deeper with you guys next week. But if you are looking forward to Rousey and Zingano locking up, it's not happening January 2nd. It is now happening at UFC 184 on February 28th. The other, the other crazy change this week, of course, like I said, there's two UFC fights, a UFC doubleheader Friday and Saturday, and... Um, Get this, uh, Shogun was supposed to take on Jimmy Manua at UFC Fight Night 56, but instead, Jimmy Manua broke his foot in training, and uh, Shogun is going to be facing Ovin St. Preux, a.k.a. OSP, who last fought Ryan Bader at UFC Fight Night 47. Mind you, UFC Fight Night 56 goes down November 8th. That means that um, when this news story broke, OSP is basically taking this fight on a week, on about a week's notice, maybe a week and a half notice, which is, uh, I, I'd say more so a week. I think the story broke earlier, earlier in the week. So about a week's notice, which is insane. But again, these are the guys that are company guys. Even if OSP went out there and he lost this fight, you know, Dana White's going to remember that and he's going to give him a better fight next time. Or maybe OSP on a week's notice goes out there and, and defeats Shogun and becomes a legend. You know, it's 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 a it's a crazy, crazy thing. But again, that fight goes down this Saturday, November eighth. Now, while we're on the subject of Shogun, it was announced that the next season of the Ultimate Fighter, Ultimate Fighter Brazil season four, will actually be taking place here in the US and it's gonna film in Vegas in early twenty fifteen and will stream on UFC Fight Pass. Now, the thing that bothers me about this is once again you're taking this season, another great season, and throwing it on UFC Fight Pass. And the reason I say that is because your coaches for this season are going to be Shogun and Anderson Silva. Now, Anderson Silva and Shogun are coaching, but they will not be fighting each other. This is one of the few times where two guys have coached opposite each other on The Ultimate Fighter and do not fight in the finale. But there you have it. Anderson Silva and Shogun will be your coaches for the next season of The Ultimate Fighter Brazil, which will be airing in April 2015. Now, one one fight that got put together this past week that I was super hyped for, and I know when I shared it with Ben, Ben was just as pumped as I was, is the UFC Fight Night 59 fight, which is going to be a lightweight fight between Eddie Alvarez and Benson Henderson. Now, Eddie Alvarez, of course, was coming off that really solid performance against Donald Cerrone. He's going to be facing, of course, the very, very dangerous but always exciting to watch Benson Henderson. This is going to be a huge fight. I'm sure they're going to be watching this with much interest with regards to title implications. That fight will be the co-main for UFC Fight Night 59. And um, again, that fight is taking place January 18th at the TD Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Again, 
This card in Boston is shaping up to be a solid card. Obviously, they're already teasing Conor McGregor fighting over there, taking advantage of the very large Irish presence in Boston. Um, of course, it is one of the one of those cards that, as it starts taking shape, starts looking better and better and better. If you're here in, in the U.S. and you want to check it out and you're close to Boston, definitely a card worth checking out if you have the opportunity to go there live. Like I said, the Eddie Alvarez-Benson-Henderson fight alone is, is going to be amazing. Now, as I said at the top of the broadcast, we got that Bellator fight card going down next Saturday, November 15th. That's Bellator 131. Your main event, the American psycho Stefan Bonner, Tito Ortiz, which considering the theatrics and the insanity going on, I want to see it because it's it's bound to be a train wreck of epic proportions. Also on that card, Will Brooks is facing Michael Chandler. Tom DeBlas is facing King Mo. Melvin Manoff is taking on Joe Schilling, which I want to see. And the Bellator debut of former UFC fighter Nam Fan as he meets Mike Richmond. Of course, the prelims, you'll be able to watch those on spike.com now for every piece of good bellator news there's some bad bellator news and in this case it is that four fighters from a recent bellator card failed drug tests that was the bellator 127 card on october 3rd uh the fighters that tested positive are keith barry for elevated testosterone uh nick modham who tested for an elevated testosterone ratio as well as marijuana Rob Emerson tested positive for the prescription drug uh, Modafinil, which was uh, created to treat narcolepsy, but has since been recreationally used for fighters that or for individuals that are looking for a quick pick me up. So um, a lot of these fighters, any of the fighters that won their fights um, will have them changed to no contest. Those that lost their fights, the decisions will go unchanged. Fernando Gonzalez also failed his drug test due to marijuana use as well. Uh, the fine for marijuana in the state of California is $100, plus the cost of testing, so he's been, his fine is $315. So let me break down the rest of the suspensions. Um, Keith Barry, uh, what's he getting? He's getting 300 days. Um, he had a testosterone ratio of 16 to 1. He was fined $2,500. His win was overturned to a no contest. Uh, Nick Magdam was suspended for 300 days. Um, he had a 17 to one testosterone ratio and was fined a thousand dollars. Rob Emerson was suspended 270 days. He was fined $2,500 for testing positive for modafinil. Um, Fernando Gonzalez was suspended for 30 days. He was fined only $315 for marijuana. His win though was not overturned. So there you have it. Definitely um, uh, not, a, not a good time for, for a lot of guys in Bellator. But again, the drug testing is, is something that has to be done. And guys are going to keep getting caught. I mean, their marijuana thing, obviously, we've discussed this at length. Uh, good, bad, or otherwise. Um, it's not recognized and it's not approved. So, you know, don't smoke up before fights, guys. Like, it's, it's as easy as that. It's, it's one of those things that you know you're going to get bagged. Whether it's pre-testing, post-fight testing, or random testing, don't don't get caught out there, man. It's it's simple as that. I mean, the, Fernando Gonzalez, he's got to pay three hundred bucks. It's not so bad. But the guys with the elevated testosterone, those guys, you know my thoughts on that. So, 
Um, definitely weird. Uh, Rob Emerson, the, the modafinil uh, positive drug test is a little odd. I'm curious to see if he has some sort of a medical excuse for it. If not, you know, he's got to eat that 270-day suspension. All right, so I want to switch gears. I got to talk about Invicta, and of course, everybody was looking forward to the Invicta fight card, ten, um, Invicta FC 10 event, but um, MMA Junkie has reported that the reason that people were excited for that event, namely Chris Cyborg, um, is injured and will not be fighting on that card. She has a rupture of the anterior talofibular ligament. So now that fight, the main event will be Michelle Waterson def- defending her Adam Weight title against Harika Tiberico, and that's the uh, new main event. And of course, Cindy Dandois will be taking on Tonya Evinger for the co-main. That's going down December 5th. And you can watch that on UFC Fight Pass. So those of you that were looking forward to the Cyborg fight in the hopes that she would win and then go on to fight Ronda Rousey in the UFC, unfortunately, you will have to wait. On the flip side, the UFC Fight Night 58 fight card has been pretty much finalized. Leoto Machida will be facing CB Dalloway. Uh, Henan Barrow, looking to get back on the winning track, will be facing Mitch Gagnon. Eric Silva's taking on Mike Rhodes. So definitely a lot of great fights there. Daniel Serafian and Dan Miller, I'd like to see that. That looks like a a very, very promising fight. And that card goes down December 20th, and it will be happening in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Now, a big, big scare to close out the MMA news for this week with one of my favorite fighters, Anderson Silva, who actually was hospitalized recently due to some issues with his back. Uh, It's an injury called lumbago, which happens with NFL players and, and, you know, contact sport athletes. And basically it's an inflammation of, of the back. And, um, you know, he got hospitalized for it and pretty much recovery is rest therapy, muscle strengthening exercises and anti-inflammatory medication. Uh, symptoms of the ailment are, um, stiffness, discomfort, um, tightness of the area, but Anderson Silva should be able to return to training within 10 to 15 days and he should be ready to go for his fight with Nick Diaz. Of course, everybody, as soon as they hear something going on with either Nick Diaz or Anderson Silva, get very, very concerned, obviously, because it's such a great fight, a card that, um, such a fight that everybody's excited for, that the probability of something throwing that fight off is very, very big. Um, Like I said, Anderson Silva coming off that broken leg is something that to be concerned about now, this lumbago situation Nick Diaz, of course, getting popped for driving under the influence more than once. All of this stuff definitely puts a big cloud over this fight. And I really, really hope that it can just be smooth sailing and we can get this fight when it goes down because it is going to be a fight for the ages. That goes down UFC 183, January 31st, 2015. Again, if you're you're a fan of either one of these guys, this is a fight that you definitely cannot miss all right so before we close things out like i said we got two mma cards two ufc cards this week friday night and saturday definitely check your local listings for fight times if not you can always check on rageworks.net that has the event calendar for each of those fights and you can see what other upcoming fights game releases and other news items are in that calendar as well all right So let's wrap this up. Let's jump into the week's wrestling news. There's a lot of stuff to discuss, including 
of course, WWE Raw, which was, it was interesting, and I really want to acknowledge certain parts of the broadcast, which got a lot of people buzzing. For me in particular, of course, was the Authority storyline, which definitely took a turn for, um, I don't want to say for the worse, but I definitely don't want to say for the better. I also want to talk a little bit about TNA as well. So without any further ado, let's get into the week's wrestling news. Booker T, take it away. We want the gold, sucker. Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga. My Take Radio's wrestling segment is brought to you by WWEShop.com. Use our promo code WWESAVE10 to save $10 on orders over $70 or more. Again, that promo code is WWESAVE10 for our sponsor, WWEShop.com. All right, so let's talk about Monday Night Raw. Of course, Survivor Series is starting to take shape, and we are obviously on the road to one of the bigger of the pay-per-views while everybody liked hell in the cell and, and had their, their good and their bad feedback about it. I have to say that my big focus always are the core four, which are the Royal rumble survivor series, SummerSlam and WrestleMania, everything else, you know, you can take it or leave it. Now, the, the crazy thing about this before I talk about raw is that for the month of November, the WWE Network is free for new subscribers. Now, for those of you that are on the fence about the network, good, bad, or otherwise, if you are a, a true wrestling fan, a hardcore wrestling fan, I definitely can't I can't speak ill of you getting the network. It's the best 10 bucks I've spent, and the reason I say that is because, again, even the shitty pay-per-views that you may not get normally... Think about it. Your core four pay-per-views at $60 a pop, that's $240 a year. Simple as that. For $120, you get all the pay-per-views plus NXT and all the original content. Simple as that. I mean, jumping on board for the month of November, taking the free month is a, is a good way to get your feet wet, but I'll be honest. The value is definitely there. I'll honestly say that I, 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 when I started, when the network launched, I got UFC fight pass and the WWE network at the same time. And as I watched both, I realized that the WWE network was a better value because the UFC fight pass, either you couldn't watch certain cards that you wanted to watch or the level of programming wasn't there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. On the UFC side, on the, um, WWE side of things, obviously you had NXT, you had all the previous shows, you had all the original content, all the old stuff, which is always good to watch. And that's something that bothered me with the UFC fight pass in terms of wanting to watch some of the older fights, some of the pride stuff, some of the WEC. I feel that when you have a tape library that big, you should have that content readily available. WWE's content library continues to grow consistently. Whether it, you know you're a fan of Ted Turner's WCW or ECW or the old WWF product, you can relive all that stuff. It's it's a lousy ten bucks, and like I said, you, the 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 money pays for itself for the big core four pay per view: Survivor Series, Royal Rumble, SummerSlam, and WrestleMania. I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not saying it to shill the network or 
or I'm not making any money off of it because I'm not. I'm just saying that for the 10 bucks that you spend for the $120 you spend a year, that's still half. That's only two pay-per-views if you were buying the pay-per-views at 60 bucks a pop. Simple as that. If you only bought the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania, you'd you'd miss out on 10 other pay-per-views that you could watch for a measly 10 bucks. The, the shit pays for itself. And and like I said, I brought it up number 1 for that reason, number 2 because of WWE's earnings call which I got to check out and I want to discuss that later on in the segment. Uh, Mortis says the WWE network is very good. It could be better, but for $9.99, I can't truly complain. Excellent value. Now, Mortis, since you brought that up, it it makes me ask, what do you think could be better about the network? I'd, I'd like to know. I'd like to know what you think would be better. Me personally, I'd like to have, um, you know, resume play. Like if I stop a video to go to work or go to bed or whatever, I'd like to be able to resume it later on. Definitely one of the things that me personally, I, I would like to see. I also would like um, just better search capabilities. Like if you're looking for a certain wrestler, if you want to punch in Macho Man Randy Savage, it should just pull up everything. Not only the matches or or the or the things that he was involved in, but any videos, um, entrance videos, things like that, that should be just available on the network, I think would just be better. I think the search capabilities I've noticed also vary from console to console i think that the ps3 interface is probably one of the more smooth one of the smoother interfaces across all platforms thus far i mean the ps4 interface is pretty good uh the 360 interface sometimes leaves a bit to be desired but um i really would like also for the network to just have a seamless interface across all platforms that's all Mortis says um, they're missing a lot of Raws from 1998 and 2000. Uh, he adds that it's worth it for the pay-per-view special events and NXT. You're, you know, I haven't gone that far back. I've usually, I watch a lot of the old ECW stuff. I've been watching a lot of the old uh, WCW stuff, obviously, because there was a lot of good stuff there. For as much shit as people talk about WCW, there were a lot of really great moments. You know, a lot of the Lucha stuff uh, with Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero, uh, some of my favorites, you know, Silver King, La Parca, El Dandy, Ultimo Dragon, uh, just a who's who of great cruiserweights that were showcased on WCW and ECW as well that, you know, that that in itself pays for, you know, makes the value of the network good for me. Oh, yeah, Psychosis, uh, Juventud Guerrera. Damn, there's a Super Kalo. Uh, definitely a a very very big list of dudes in WCW that I enjoyed watching. I'm glad that uh Mortis reminded me because Psychos- Psychosis definitely was was one character that was always uh really good, especially his matches with Rey Mysterio. All right, so let me jump into Raw this week. Um, there was no John Cena on Raw this week, which was very interesting for a couple of reasons, and I'll get into that later on in the segment. But Vince McMahon showed up and. Vince McMahon showing up was was interesting because there was a very, very, very positive crowd response. Now, the beauty of this was that Vince McMahon showed up to throw a monkey wrench in the authorities' plans for Survivor Series, meaning Vince added a stipulation to the Survivor Series match that should Team Authority lose, that would mean that the authority would no longer be in power. So, uh, very interesting. The stakes incredibly high. 
there's a lot of rumors going around that this is being done to set up Vince McMahon being involved or possibly introducing a GM once again and kind of removing Triple H and Stephanie from the week-to-week um, bullshit that we got to deal with on Monday Night Raw. Now, I'll say this. The return of Vince McMahon, while it's good and it, and it adds a little bit of punch to the broadcast, I got to say that I feel that Vince McMahon's involvement is exactly as it should be. I know a lot of people would like to see Vince back on a consistent basis, but this is how I feel. When you look at old school wrestling, even old WWF stuff, you guys may remember when it was like Jack Tunney or Gorilla Monsoon or guys that were, you know, like like the president of the company. When these guys showed up, it was a big fucking deal, a huge deal. Because you knew it was either a special announcement or a a disciplinary issue, something big that would really get such and you know so and so on the radar. Like I said, Jack Tunney was a a, a prime example. So guys like like Triple H, Stephanie McMahon, Vince McMahon, they should be used in a sparing in a sparingly. uh, They should be used sparingly in in a limited capacity. What what it should be is exactly that. It should be a GM of Raw or an authority figure running the broadcast. And when guys like Triple H show up, or Stephanie McMahon, or Vince, it's just, oh shit, you know, they're here. What the fuck is going on? Not having to see that every week, because what happens is that it becomes it becomes Triple H and Stephanie McMahon trying to imitate Vince McMahon. I'm sorry to say it, but the week in and week out rigmarole of, of Vince of uh, excuse me of Triple H and Stephanie McMahon it's it really just amounts to you know a a a son putting on his father's suit that's really it i'm sorry to say it and triple h for as much as he's done for the company and how much he's done behind the scenes when i see him i just don't see an authority figure i just see a wrestler in a suit and the reason is because triple h still hasn't learned to be the villainous boss. He's still the cocky heel in a suit. Like if you real, if you watch his exchanges with guys like, like Dolph Ziggler or John Cena, all you see is triple H being a smarmy douchebag and just putting himself before the talent. And I don't think he's doing that intentionally, which a lot of people are like, Oh, there goes triple H, you know, stroking his ego. That's not the case. I just feel that triple H is trying to come into his own as an authority figure, and he's trying to use all the tools that made him an effective heel as an effective authority figure. It is not the same. Meanwhile, on the flip side, Stephanie McMahon is just trying to be her father in a dress. And while that's great, again, it's just, it just looks, it looks amateur because the, neither one of them are, are being themselves. They're also not creating their own roles. And that's kind of the bigger the bigger elephant in the room. It's Vince McMahon, Triple H, Stephanie McMahon, and it's one trying to duplicate the other. And it's I'm sorry to say, and I've said it before, you cannot recapture the same energy of Austin and McMahon with Triple H and anybody. It does not work. If you want to have some gravity, if you want to have some clout, you elect a raw GM. And I mean a GM that consistently is managing raw and smack well, 
forget it. Let's let's be realistic. We're not even doing a brand split anymore. So it is a, a general manager for Raw and SmackDown. And it could be whoever whoever it is, whoever it is. And that by going that route, you have like when Triple H has to show up or Triple H has to be involved, it's to be involved in something big. That way when that music hits, when Behold the King hits, it's oh shit, let me turn the channel instead of oh let me let me see what happens. Now, Slick says who would they pick? All right, little armchair booking for you guys. I would honestly have Paul Heyman run Raw and SmackDown. I'll tell you why. Paul Heyman running Raw or SmackDown either as a full-on heel or as a tweener works because he knows the right amount of involvement to, to, to give the broadcast where it doesn't look overwhelming, number one. Number two, if anybody gives Paul Heyman any shit, he can just unleash Brock Lesnar on them, which allows them to easily set up feuds without even trying. And uh, like, like, here's a good example. Paul Heyman is the GM. Puts John Cena. Well, let, let's not even talk about John Cena. He puts Dolph Ziggler in a title match against, I don't know, Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins gets pissed off and he pushes Paul Heyman or he puts his hands on Paul Heyman and maybe later on in the broadcast, Brock Lesnar shows up and beats Seth Rollins' ass. And he's like, yo, nobody puts their hands on the boss or nobody puts their hands on my friend. And boom, you got a nice little feud for Brock Lesnar with with Seth Rollins or with whoever. That works. And then what you would do in a situation like that is that you would take a guy, you would take Brock Lesnar, and Triple H may show up once, once, and be like, Paul, you know, you got to get Brock under control. You can't just have him coming out and putting his hands on people if, you know, it, it just because somebody gives you a little static. If somebody's going to put their hands on you, you take it up with us, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know? Simple as that. Slick says, problem with that is Brock Lesnar's not going to officially wrestle on Raw or SmackDown. That's fine, because the sell- the selling point here is Paul Heyman. Brock Lesnar can be used, again, in a sparing capacity. If you want to start creating one particular person feuding with the GM, then obviously that's when you unleash Brock Lesnar. Again, you already got the guy for limited days as it is, so you might as well use him when it's worth it, and actually have a GM that has some presence that can add to the broadcast and not take away from it. I mean, Vicky Guerrero used to take away from the broadcast, and then as she got more comfortable, she actually became a very important cog in the big machine. And I think Paul Heyman would be the guy that would bring that full circle. Again, no authority, no no McMahons on my TV, unless it is something important. That's the only way to do it. That, that that's that's 110% the only way to do it because if you continue to keep the Triple H's and the Stephanie McMahon's on TV every week all you're going to do is just take away from the product as soon as it starts cuz I'll be honest I tune in as soon as I hear that Triple H music I'm like up oh, I'll 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 flip back because I know it's going to be a 20 minute long-winded stroke job either him kissing Seth Rollins ass or whatever the case may be I just I just don't need it. I don't need it. Simple as that. 
Anyway, Dean Ambrose came out to have his 155,000th match with Cesaro, and uh, Bray Wyatt shows up, interrupts, not doesn't interrupt the match, just sits there, hangs out, tries to play mind games with Dean Ambrose. While I felt that the match was incredibly fun to watch, I'm tired of Cesaro just continuously being jobbed out week in and week out. Again, you have an incredible vacuum of talent. You do. You have a vacuum of faces and a vacuum of heels. And even if you turn Randy Orton and you got John Cena and maybe you want to use Dean Ambrose, that's it. Those are your credible upper echelon guys. And then there's everyone else. Doesn't make sense. But this is this isn't my booking, unfortunately. But the match itself was very, very well done. And I honestly think that a long term program between a guy like Ambrose and Cesaro would be legit. I could definitely, I could deal with that. Uh, the Miz took on Jimmy Uso, which I'm sure is leading to the inevitable tag team scramble match that I've been hearing about with uh, Miz Dow and the Miz and uh, the Dust Brothers and the Usos, etc., etc. And it's fine. I got no problem with that. It was a pretty paint-by-numbers match. Of course, it was uh, all leading to the setup of probably what I said, that particular match taking place at Survivor Series. Now, the um, I wanted to talk about this Mark Henry Big Show feud because, again, I said it for weeks and weeks and weeks. I said one of them is going to turn on the other after this Rusev situation. It's just a matter of who. I'm not a fan of the Mark Henry heel turn because, again, it feels like Mark Henry was a face for all of five minutes. And while I understand that you don't want to turn the Big Show either, I just feel that there's a better long-term there's better long-term booking with a guy like Mark Henry versus a guy like The Big Show. That's not to say that The Big Show is shitty out there, but he's just he, there's really no interest in The Big Show. Like the crowd kind of pops for him, but it's not it's not oh my god, like Mark Henry comes out, he's got this presence, you know, you have a guy that's a legitimate badass and you know, he got bitched out by Rusev, he lost to Bo Dallas, and you put him in a feud with The Big Show which I'm sure he's going to beat the big show and move past it, but why waste your time with that feud? It just eats up TV time, and it doesn't do either guy any favors. Same thing with with Sheamus and Tyson Kidd. I really, I don't hate Sheamus. Sheamus as champion sucks. This, this, I have to say. Sheamus as champion and as a face sucks. Tyson Kidd, you go to all this trouble to build him up on NXT to make him this badass dude, and then you send him up to Raw, and he gets fucking the shit kicked out of him. I was shocked that he won, even if it was via countout, but still, you take Tyson Kidd, you create this force, this guy that's a, that's a pleasure to watch on NXT, and the minute he comes up to the to the wrestling broadcast, to the well, correction, to the main broadcast, to Raw or SmackDown, he just you just revert him back to Jobberville. It's a waste. It's like, why, why don't you just leave Tyson Kidd down there as as the guy that's, you know, the veteran in NXT? Because if you're going to call him up to the main roster and make him look like a tool, then fucking leave him down there. It's a waste of time. It doesn't do anybody any favors. Simple as that. Anyway, we get the, we get the McMahons, a.k.a. the Authority, back on TV to bitch out Dolph Ziggler and to set up a match with Dolph Ziggler and Seth Rollins. I said to myself, it is almost a certainty 
that before Survivor Series, they will find a way to get that IC title off of Dolph Ziggler and onto Seth Rollins. Why? Obviously for storyline purposes, but because it just continues to reinforce that Seth Rollins is the guy. And while while I don't mind that, I just feel that Dolph Ziggler continues to be kind of just treading water in this entire event. I mean, it's good that he's kind of the focus and you know he's going to join Team Cena, but I continue to feel that Dolph Ziggler, he has so much more to offer and they I don't like I said, if it's if it's true what they've been saying that they feel that he's a fragile guy or he's not over they really need to look at the big picture because Triple H said it in, in that promo with Dolph Ziggler, and I have to agree 110%. Dolph Ziggler is probably one of the best workers they got on that roster. He's not the biggest guy. He's not the most jack guy, but he's the most entertaining guy they got. Simple as that. So, very, very interesting. Um... You know, they they set up Randy Orton and Seth Rollins for later on in the evening, which I said to myself, this is the inevitable Randy Orton face turn. As soon as I saw it, I said, yeah, that's that's where this is going. And we'll get into that later on in the segment. Now, Ryback and Titus O'Neil, same thing with, like I said, with Tyson Kidd. You send Titus O'Neil down to NXT, you make him a force, you make him this badass dude. Then you send him up to the main roster and Ryback kills him dead. Now, I don't mind this renewed Ryback push. I don't. I think Ryback's success is him being a face. It, you know, when, when he was on that on that face run and he was he was getting the crowds in the palm of his hand, that's when WWE should have pulled the trigger and created their next big star. Obviously they turned him they turned him heel. They did the bullying gimmick. They put him with uh Paul Heyman, they put him with Curtis Axel, and then it was just, it just fucking kept tumbling downhill till it hit rock bottom. I don't mind Ryback, and considering that there's such a, 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 such a limited amount of faces on WWE programming, Ryback works, but you shouldn't have to sacrifice a guy like Titus O'Neil to remind people that Ryback is a badass dude. Simple as that. So the Big Show and Mark Henry squared off in what was pretty much a very solid big man match, with which ended with the Big Show winning via DQ after Mark Henry cracked him with the steps. Now, I don't like I don't like the 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 fact that you gave us this match on the pay per view. I mean, on a non pay per view. While I understand that you wanted to fill up some time and you didn't have John Cena on the broadcast, there's no necessity to give up that match because. What's the incentive now for people to tune in and see these guys square off at a pay-per-view when you pretty much gave away the match on Raw and the outcome was pretty, I don't even want to say definitive, but it was pretty pretty much stamped that Mark Henry beat the Big Show's ass. Yeah, that's, that's it. You know, there's, he beat the shit out of him with a chair and he made him look like a bitch. Move on. So... Let's talk about this Nikki Bella and Emma match, which, again, I try to give the Bella twins the benefit of the doubt some days, and I'm like, ah, they're going to improve, they're going to get better, they're going to get better. Yeah, not so much. Doesn't happen. Especially Nikki versus Brie. Brie, I think, is passable. Nikki Bella, when she's in there with a seasoned wrestler, she looks like shit. 
like complete shit. Now, obviously, with the whole Bella twin assistant angle, Brie Bella got sent out there to get in AJ's face and slap AJ, which, of course, was done to get Nikki Bella over. But it just felt it just felt contrived and forced. And and the match itself was just piss fucking poor. It really, really was. So we got a um, we got a brand new promo for Xavier Woods. I don't know if they're changing his gimmick, but he came out kind of a James Brown preacher man sort of gimmick and whatever. It, was, it looked okay. But again, you take Xavier Woods, you sign him. He's kicking ass in NXT. You bring him up to WWE. You pair him with our truth. Everything looks like it's coming up great. Instead, everything's coming up Millhouse. Everything comes up shit. It was garbage what you've done with Xavier Woods. I don't even know what happened with the whole stable with him, Kofi Kingston, and Big E. There was tremendous promise there, and we haven't seen shit. Instead, you're pretty much creating Ernest the Cat Miller 3.0 with um, Consequences Creed. And it's unfortunate. I mean, besides the fact that Xavier Woods is a friend of the show and he's an incredibly he's an incredibly talented performer, I do feel that he, you know, they rushed him up there, he comes up, and they do jack shit with him and make him look like a complete tool bag. It's stupid. Mortis adds they had him use Ernest the Cat Miller's music for a while. Might as well give him his James Brown gimmick too. That's true. At at the rate it's going, it's just like, why don't you just make him Ernest the Cat Miller? Change his name from Xavier Woods to Ernest Miller. Everybody would be like, hey, that name sounds familiar. And just leave it alone. Because it's pretty much verbatim exactly that. Now, when you look at this gimmick, and I said this before, it goes back to the whole racial stereotypes. The easy-peasy racial overcoats. And I've talked about this before. Why is it that the black guy's got to be shucking and jiving, a gospel singer, a rapper, you know, a gangbanger. You know what I mean? Why can't you just be an athletic, gifted African-American superstar? No, that doesn't happen. And, I, and, you know, we joke about it. We have a lot of laughs about it. But nothing was a bigger, blatant use of that than this video vignette for, Zay, for Xavier Woods. It's like shucking and jiving, the gospel singers. It's like, it's like what the fuck is this gimmick? Sister act? It was It was stupid. Why can't he just be whatever he is? You know, and Mortis makes a valid point. Mortis says Shelton Benjamin was on the right track to break the stereotype. And I agree 10,000% because even when they put him with his mother, with Thea Vidal as his mother, nobody had ever seen that. Oh, shit, this guy is managed by his mama. It was it was different. And it wasn't, again, the shucking and jiving Oh, you're going to go out there and and partake in all this fucking tomfoolery, world star, hip-hop level bullshit. It was, hey, it's an athletic African-American superstar that can go out there and fuck shit up. He's got flashy moves, he's he's intense, he's, he's a good wrestler, and he has a solid gimmick. Sure, his mic work isn't great, but still. Like, Shelton Benjamin was the one guy who was outside of that. Even when he was in the tag team with Charlie Haas... He was never out there shucking and jiving, being anything more than a good wrestler. Plain as day. Even when you look at, this is one thing, when you look at TNA and you see guys like MVP, Bobby Lashley, even Kenny King, who I can't stand in TNA, 
the fact is that they're not out there wearing their racial overcoats. They're just out there being heels, faces, wrestlers. Just because Samoa Joe Samoan doesn't mean that he's going to come out wearing a Polynesian war mask, looking like that, looking like Mudman from Samurai Showdown. Yes, he's Samoan. Yes, he has a, a little bit of a Samoan vibe in his music. It doesn't mean that he's going to come out with face paint and throw coconuts into the stands. Look at the Usos. They're Samoan. They come out. They do the Siba Tau. It's cool. It's unique. It's different. But that's it. They're not out there doing all the savage gimmicks and shit. They're out there just being a tag team that can wrestle. If you could do it with the Usos, why can't you do it with everyone else? Simple as that. And watch. Xavier Woods, he'll come out. He'll shuck and jive. They'll do his gimmick before you know it. Next round of roster cuts, they'll cut him loose. Hate to say it, but it's true. And I feel bad for a guy like Big E Langston because I thought Big E was going to be the guy that was going to break the mold. He was going to be your your African-American main eventer. Not the case. Another guy going out there cutting Martin Luther King, Jesse Jackson-style promos. For what? Because he knows how to imitate him? Give me a break. Stupid. Anyway, let's talk about Zack Ryder getting jobbed out for the 8,000th time with uh, Rusev, which I I just want to know, who did Zack Ryder piss off? Because he just gets his ass kicked every time he goes in there with Rusev. Of course, this was to set up the inevitable U.S. title match against Sheamus later on in the evening, which we'll discuss as well. On the tag team angle advancement side of things, of course, Stardust faced off with Fernando from Los Matadores, which, of course, led to the inevitable involvement with Sandow and Miz, which, of course, is leading to this tag team scramble match, which I'm sure will probably be announced within the next two weeks. Now, let's talk Randy Orton, Seth Rollins. Um, The match itself was a very, very good match, incredibly competitive And it actually was surprising that Seth Rollins went over clean. Really clean. Uh, Randy Orton went for the RKO. Seth Rollins countered with a backslide. And it was a clean, clean victory. Now, the beauty of this was, you know, the conflicted Randy Orton, blah, 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 shaking hands with everybody. Then all of a sudden, RKOs for everybody. Triple H jumps in. Dude, what are you doing? What the fuck? He hits Triple H, and before you know it, Randy Orton gets his ass whooped. Now, of course, this obviously brings the face turn full circle, but it's also used as an effective way to write Randy Orton off of television since he is since he is going to be filming The Condemned Part 2. Now, if you remember, The Condemned Part 1 starred Stone Cold Steve Austin as um, an individual that was thrown on an island with various other killers and soldiers and mercenaries. And, of course, the goal was to kill each other, and the last man standing wins. Of course, Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, made his way through. Of course, there was the corrupt bad guy, etc., etc. Pretty much a modern spin on The Running Man and countless other survival-style films. Now, of course, you're taking Mr. Mr. Congeniality, Mr. Screen Presence himself, Randall Keith Orton, and you are making him the condemned for this sequel I am dying to see it dying to see it and the only reason I want to see it is because 
it's Randy Orton trying to be a guy that's trying to survive on an island with killers. Think about it. I just I just want to see Randy Orton RKO a giraffe like on YouTube. He should just be in the in the jungle and he's trying to survive and there's this giraffe and he jumps off a tree and fucking gives it the RKO like the YouTube videos at this rate. I think that would be more entertaining than Randy Orton action hero. And the beauty of this is Randy Orton's been about as interesting as he can be the last couple of weeks. And what do you do? You take the guy that's finally started to become interesting and you pluck him off TV to go film a movie. You did the same thing with Dean Ambrose. Again, a, 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 a momentary mistake, but still a mistake that really fucks up the flow of the story. Now, the only good thing is that you wrote him off in such an effective fashion that if he does come back, whether it be at Survivor Series or the day after, it would still be a great pop. It would still be a great surprise. But, you know, you're willing to 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 derail your story for a movie that's probably going to go to straight to DVD. Sometimes you got to weigh that shit out. That's just my opinion. Anyway, before I get into the other wrestling news for the week, I actually caught up a little bit on TNA Impact, which... If if the rumors are to be believed, I have a feeling that we're not going to be seeing much more TNA impact until either they renegotiate their deal with Spike TV or they go to a new network. And it's truly, truly unfortunate because there's a lot of really, really good wrestling on each broadcast. There's a lot of great matches being set up. There's a lot of great um a lot of great angle advancement going forward. And the beauty of it is that like the, the TNA world title match to close it out with Bobby Roode and MVP was a great, great match. You know, it's it, it's just a very, very uh, great storytelling. They're teasing the dissension between MVP and Lashley, et cetera, et cetera. They're really, um, you know, they're really they're really bringing it together. And it's just unfortunate that they brought it together so late in the game. But again, um, I actually caught, the, like I said, the last few minutes of Impact, but I did get to see the entire Bobby Roode MVP match in its entirety, and it was a very, very good match. MVP is a guy that continues to just deliver solid matches, solid promo work uh, in TNA. And, you know, for as much as I would like to see MVP in the WWE utilizing the uh, the Japanese strong style and delivering some baller promos. I know that he's just going to come back and be saddled with some bullshit or languish in mid-card hell. Hell, I'd rather he be in TNA for the limited amount of time that he may have there and perhaps even become their champion. I think MVP's a great worker, incredibly undervalued in his WWE run, and is now just getting a second wind in TNA. Hopefully, before TNA folds, or, or moves to another network, we can see MVP as TNA World Heavyweight Champion. All right, so let's get into the other wrestling news for the week. Now, as I mentioned earlier in the segment, uh, John Cena was not on Raw this week. But that didn't stop the show from reaching 4 million viewers. That is a very healthy increase from the previous week. Raw averaged a 4.4 million viewership spread throughout the evening that's up almost 300,000 views from the post hell in the cell show from the week prior now in the first hour 4 million people were watching in the second hour 4.2 million people were watching and then in the in the third hour it was still at a 3.8 hour 
broadcast volume. It was still in a 3.8 hour broadcast, uh, 3.8 million broadcast volume for that last hour. Again, it's crazy because uh, Monday, Night, Monday Night Football drew its lowest audience and um, the, the, the raw broadcast as a whole was surprisingly good. Now, once again, John Cena being on TV, while everybody's going to say, you see, you don't, you don't put John Cena on TV every fucking week, people tune in. Eh, maybe. But I also think that it was a combination of shitty football and some decent wrestling. Decent wrestling, decent angle advancement definitely yielded a good result. Now, I will say that, you know, acknowledging that the network was free for the month of November and then giving us the match between Sheamus and Rusev on the network was a nice perk. It was a nice bonus. Of course, it led to Rusev getting the U.S. title, which I said was going to happen. Kudos to the MTR Rageworks team for live blogging the event, including our very own Slick, who live blogged the Rusev Sheamus title change as well. Again, um, definitely a solid week of Raw. Uh, interesting developments for Survivor Series. And of course, the added stipulation from Vince McMahon definitely adds a little bit of a little bit more energy to a card that's definitely going to be watched by a lot of people. Like I said, it's one of the big four, so I can expect nothing but good matches. We'll see what happens with regards to that. Now, I want to talk a little bit of NXT. Of course, NXT is tomorrow, and um, this is a spoiler alert, so fast forward if you don't want to know. But for those of you that don't care and want to be spoiled, I definitely recommend that you tune into NXT tomorrow to see the debut of one Prince Devitt. That's all I'm going to say. Prince Devitt will be debuting on NXT tomorrow. I'm not going to say how or when or with who or for what, but I recommend you tune in. That's all I'm going to say. On the flip side, everybody's been watching with, with much interest because obviously we've seen the debut of Kenta. We've seen the debut of of um, Prince Devitt, which is happening tomorrow. And of course, Countless other superstars that we've been watching with much interest have made their debuts on NXT. But one superstar that many of us have been watching, especially if you are a Ring of Honor fan, is one Kevin Steen. Now, Kevin Steen, of course, signed with NXT, is a top WWE prospect, especially with the rumors that I've been hearing that Triple H, he's a Triple H pet project. Now, Kevin Steen, for those of you that don't know, had an incredible run in Ring of Honor. He was their champion. He had an incredible feud with one El Generico, which, if you don't know, is NXT's Sami Zayn. Now, WWE filed a trademark for the name Kevin Owens. Now, from what I've heard and what's been said on multiple websites, it looks like Kevin Owens will officially be the name of Kevin Steen in NXT. Now... The beauty of this is that his debut may not be that far off because we may be seeing Kevin Owens debut either at the next NXT TakeOver event or the tapings following that NXT TakeOver event. So before 2014 closes out, we will see Kevin Steen, a.k.a. Kevin Owens, on NXT programming. So there you have it. Mortis, that video you saw is um, what somebody videotaped 
while attending the NXT TV tapings. What you saw, which I shared, is what will be happening tomorrow. <laughs> that video you saw is what you will be seeing tomorrow. I just did not want to spoil it for anybody. But I I figured you would catch on rather quick. But yes, the video you saw, yeah, exactly. That's how far NXT tapes. NXT pretty much is taped, I think, through the rest of November and I think part of December up until I think TakeOver and then after TakeOver happens December 11th, I believe. Uh, correction. I believe, yeah, December 11th. After that, we'll get the next set of tapings to close out 2014. NXT's taping is 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 pretty good, man. They have a really, really good taping style. But again, spoilers do happen. Like I said, uh, Prince Devitt's debut is tomorrow. How he's debuting, with whom he's debuting, or who's the who's his uh first set of opponents i am not going to spoil for you guys but i definitely recommend you tune into nxt tomorrow night well i should say it's after midnight so uh today november 6th definitely check that out so let's talk about wwe's uh financials which um the earnings call raised a lot of red flags a lot of people were panicking um the first thing of course was what kind of roster cuts are we going to get but let's talk about the elephant in the room, the WWE Network. Now, when the WWE Network was launched, the intention was that by the time the year went, the year was closed, the WWE Network would have 1 million subscribers. Now, every earnings call, that number is nowhere near 1 million. This last earnings call, the company confirmed that they have 731,000 subscribers. The company added 31,000 subscribers in the quarter, which is a 4% increase from June 30th. They They noted that they had about an average of 723 during the quarter. But again... The company gained 286,000 subscribers, but they also lost 255,000 subscribers in the same quarter. So the network has expanded to 107, 170 countries, and they had you know 700,000 subscribers by the end of the second quarter. It's definitely being viewed as a disappointment with their presence now in 170 countries. Now, before everybody starts panicking you have to understand that while the network is available in other countries, the evolution of high-speed internet is not. Some places have decent internet, some places don't. And not only that, but some people don't have the hardware to fully enjoy the network. Yes, you can watch the network on your phone, or you can watch the network on your tablet or on your computer, but people want to enjoy the network on their television. So it's something that you got to consider. It's not a bad number, but WWE did want to hit 1.1 average, uh, 1.1 million subscribers in 2015 so that they could break even from a cash flow standpoint. Now, it could still happen, but it's a very, very, very small window. On top of that, WWE's loss that they had a reported net loss of $5.9 million. Part of the reason for this, obviously, was losing the pay-per-view revenue, but they are trying to offset that, obviously, 
by getting more subscribers on the network. In addition to that, obviously, the UK launch of the WWE Network did not go according to plan, so I'm sure that's not going to help their 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 uh, their press either. So the pay-per-view business declined 60%. That means that they're doing approximately 307, uh, 303 paper, 303,000 pay-per-view buys. This is a decrease from 761 from the same quarter last year. Obviously, big factor in this is the WWE Network. And um, they, they put out some interesting numbers. SummerSlam did 147,000 buys down from 149,000 buys in 2013. Um, Battleground 2014 versus Money in the Bank 2013 was ni- Battleground 2014 had 99,000 buys versus 100,000 buys that they had in 2013 for Money in the Bank. Night of Champions had 48,000 buys. Originally, in 2013, they had 127,000. So, again, part of this is the, is, the, is the network cannibalizing the pay-per-view numbers, but these are things that, while it, it, they do incite a little bit of unrest, a little bit of a concern, I, I've addressed this before. It is an evolution of the medium. In other words, the way that the content is being consumed has evolved substantially. So taking that into consideration, you have to ask yourself, would I pay the $10 or would I pay the $60? My, the only problem is that the, the, the offset is not allowing the network to grow, meaning that the pay-per-view numbers are going down, but the WWE network subscriber numbers are not going up at the rate that they would like. And that is what has to change. I'm sure it will change over time, but I don't think they're going to hit that 1 million target goal unless they do some really, really, really crazy stuff. Because right now, while it's great that you're able to watch all this programming, there's, you need something else. You need something else to entice people to subscribe. And, and while Netflix and Hulu and all these other services, they have a ton of things at their disposal that make people subscribe. You need to maybe start working on either more original programming or you need to start doing more special events. You need to start making the network more than just a hub for old stuff and NXT. While that stuff is good, you need to create some sort of a marketing campaign to entice people to subscribe to the network and i don't know why they're not telling people hey are you tired of paying 60 dollars for a pay-per-view let's give you guys some numbers 240 that's the cost of watching these four pay-per-views for half that you can get x and while i understand that they don't that they can't use a campaign of that magnitude to compete against pay-per-view obviously because they're going to shoot themselves in the foot They really need to do something more aggressive. You need to really tell people what the big savings are. While it's easy to tell people, oh yeah, you can watch Survivor Series for $9.99, that's great. But you're not telling people the big picture. You need to be more aggressive. When the network first launched, you were telling people, hey, these are all the pay-per-views you could see for $9.99 a month. But you need to tell them, hey, these are the pay-per-views you can see for $9.99 a month at a savings of X versus your local cable company. That's what you have to do. Because, yeah, you tell people, hey, you can watch X, Y, and Z 
for $10 a month. But at the end of the day, you need to give people more value than just being able to watch one pay-per-view for $10. You got to get more aggressive. We live in an era of, of aggressive marketing, whether it's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Google Plus, whatever it may be, you need to get more aggressive. You need to let people know that there is a big savings from being a WWE Network subscriber. It's the only way that you're going to get people to sign up. You know, and again, for those of you that are panicking, looking at these numbers on various websites, don't panic. Because again, the pay-per-view numbers are going to go down. It is a no-brainer. What WWE needs to do is take and cultivate those numbers that they're that are there are that are being lost on pay-per-view and start converting those to subscriptions. Easy as that. All right, so all signs are pointing to Randy Savage finally going into the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, it's been said that the brand new Randy Savage box set is the first of many Savage related projects that WWE is working on. It's very interesting because obviously Randy Savage is one of the few guys that really are that that everybody feels should be in the Hall of Fame. And I definitely do not disagree. I really hope that when the Randy Savage compilation comes out, it really is the first step in getting Savage in the Hall of Fame. I mean, the Sting DVD box set was incredibly good, and I'm sure that WWE is going to treat Savage's legacy just as well. I only would like to see WWE honor Savage the right way and put him in the Hall of Fame. If Hogan's in there, Warrior's in there, then Savage definitely needs to be there. All right, so Alberto Del Rio is back in the news this week. He did an interview with Fighting Spirit magazine talking about the uh, racism that he experienced during his time in the WWE. And um, obviously he acknowledged the incident that got him fired. A um, couple of things I took from this interview. Alberto Del Rio definitely is not happy with his WWE departure, but he does feel that he's making more money now than some of the talent that are currently on the WWE roster and I understand, you know, that that's definitely good. With regards to the racism that he experienced, I definitely can't co-sign for that. Whether you like Alberto Del Rio or you hate Alberto Del Rio, what happened to him definitely should not have happened. And again, this is something that that's kind of been talked about on on the quiet and and we've seen it happen over the last couple of years that people acknowledge either, you know, just just underlying racism in the WWE or blatant racism depending on who you ask. Um, as for Alberto Del Rio, I've been seeing him in, in some of the Lucha Libre programming that he's been involved in. He definitely looks energized. He looks um, he looks really good out there. He's not working the WWE style as much. Um, definitely a better performer. And there's even a rumor that he is heading to Lucha Underground, which is on the El Rey Network. I know Mortis asked about that earlier on in the segment. And um, I can say that I've seen some of the Lucha Underground product. And I think that, um, you know, it's heavily scripted, but the talent involved and the wrestling that's on, that's on display is incredibly enjoyable. If you if you have the El Rey Network, I recommend you check it out. Um, I saw Johnny Mundo taking on Prince Puma. Uh, Johnny Mundo, of course, being j- formerly known as John Morrison. And um, uh, the Puma is Ricochet from House of Glory and 
countless other promotions. They had a tremendous match, a very impressive match. I actually shared the match on our Facebook fan page, so you can check that out if you get a chance, and you can see what Lucha Underground is all about. Again, if you have the El Rey Network and you want to check it out, I definitely can recommend it with it with zero reservations. I liked I like the wrestling. I like the personalities. I do feel that the that the scripting sometimes gets a little heavy handed, but it's not terrible. Definitely good stuff to watch for sure. All right, so I kind of want to get into this a little bit, and um, you know, I I want I was curious about this for the following reason. So Hulk Hogan recently was interviewed on a. Uh, the fan in Dallas and someone asked him why John Cena has not turned heel very interesting question Hogan answered as follows when you look at the big picture you see ad buys sponsorships and amount of revenue generated by merchandise and the fact that he volunteers to go overseas to see the troops when he's home and he sees the troops who were messed up in war and he deals with the make-a-wish kids I guess you can be a bad guy and still generate that type of of revenue much like I did, but I think that in his case, Vince McMahon has a master plan. I think I know what should be done in wrestling, and then I talk to Vince, and he has a bigger vision than just making John Cena a bad guy. A bigger vision than you see in the ring. Vince has a reason for not doing it. You and I would say that he should heal He should heel turn right now like I did, and the fans would cheer him more than ever probably, but Vince has a bigger picture. And it's interesting because, you know, we've touched on this a lot, myself, Slick, and the rest of the MTR team on numerous shows about a John Cena heel turn. And we've always talked about that, you know, make a wish and all that stuff definitely is a big factor in not turning John Cena heel. Plus, of course, merchandise revenue. But I do have to give merit to Hogan's argument in the sense that he said, you know, maybe the heel turn will make him more popular than he's ever been. I mean, When Hulk Hogan went Hollywood and he turned Hollywood Hogan with the NWO, everybody was rocking Hogan t-shirts, Hogan bandanas, everybody was supporting the movement. But again, and I've I've said this before, lightning is not going to strike in a bottle. You know, correction, you're not going to be able to capture lightning in a bottle twice. Turning John Cena heel needs to be something of incredible magnitude and not only that, but you need to make sure that you have a guy that's established that can carry the company as the top face. Hogan being heel was good because you still had guys like Savage, Sting, you were creating Goldberg, you had Booker T, etc., etc., etc. So by the time that happened, you had a stable of guys that were ready, willing, and able to carry the company. So if I do agree that you know Cena's popularity may 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 skyrocket after that, but you have to approach it cautiously. And who knows? Maybe Vince has a big master plan under his hat, and he's gonna fucking be the one with the last laugh. But for the time being, Cena will be a face, and that's how it's going to be for the foreseeable future. Now, one thing that I've been doing a lot lately is reading Jim Ross's blog, which is very very good. And, um, you know, he talks about a lot of interesting things, but one thing in particular I liked was something he said about Rusev that acknowledged what I've said about racial overcoats and stereotypes. When asked, when, when discussing Rusev, he said the following would love to hear the logic of beating Seamus via count of beating Seamus Tyson kid won via count out on raw 
before the Irishman lost the U.S. title to Rusev later in the night on the WWE Network. Just as I mentioned on my podcast several weeks ago, Rusev will make a good champion, and Sheamus now has the ammo to turn heel. He also added this, which is very interesting. He said, It's interesting as to why WWE apparently feels Rusev should be, vo- should be booed. Apparently only because he's Russian. The powerhouse rarely cheats, is a patriot to his native land, is a beast, isn't a coward, and has not lost via pin or submission. What is there among these items that's supposed that 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 makes us dislike him? The nationalistic storylines can still work, but the foreigner still has to have heel tendencies and nuances. Rusev should not lose until WrestleMania 31 at the earliest, and if he makes it to SummerSlam clean, it would mean so much more when someone finally knocks him off. See, Jim Ross, he gets it. And I understand it's true. It, you know, while it's easy for you to boo Rusev because he's Russian, he made a lot of valid points, and I really didn't even think about it. Obviously, you know, I make fun of Rusev for multiple reasons besides the fact that he wears his trunks to his nipples. Thank you, Slick. Um it's true. There's a there's a lot of there's a tremendous upside to Rusev, and I've said it before on countless shows. There's only so far you can go with the whole anti-American rhetoric before it just starts to become a burden. So, if and when you decide to do something with Rusev, you have to actually start acknowledging the fact that you don't necessarily have to hate him because he's Russian. I remember when Vladimir Kozlov started performing as a face and it was very easy for the fans to get behind him, but it was only because he was part of that comedy duo with Santino. Let's not have that be the case with a guy like Rusev. If you're going to build him up as this unstoppable monster, build him up as an unstoppable monster because he does bad things, not just because he's Russian, because it's just something that's way too easy to do. Again, I agree with Jim Ross and that's my take on that. All right. With that said, that is actually going to wrap up this week's show. Um, We got a lot of wrestling out of the way. Things have been a little quiet, and uh, it's our first show back on hiatus, so I I, kind of feel I rushed through it, but it's all good. Anyway, we got a brand new MTR heading your way uh, today, November 6th at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. We're going to be talking gaming. We're going to be digging into some entertainment news. I want to share with you... Uh, the fallback, uh, correction, the backlash on my opinions on Gamergate, and I definitely want to get into that as well. All right, with that said, on behalf of myself, Slick, Quark, Blade, Andrea, Josh, uh, the rightist, Ben, and the rest of the MTR family, I am out of here. Join us later on tonight at 11 p.m. Eastern for our gaming and entertainment edition of My Take Radio. You can also find My Take Radio on Twitter, at my take radio you can also follow rageworks at rage underscore works and of course become a fan of my take radio on facebook and rageworks as well you can add us to your circles on google plus follow our boards on pinterest and if you're into instagram you can follow me rageworks underscore rich on instagram all right guys time to get out of here thank you all for listening and we'll see you peace I'm rich, bitch! Uh, uh. That's all, folks!